What's up? Thanks for jumping on. David's connecting here. My man. Hey, what's up, dude? <laughs> Not a lot. How are you? <laughs> Good, man. Just getting uh, getting up from moose camp last night. I got in kind of late back to the back to the house. So, dude, I loved your pictures. I'm glad we got to catch up a little bit this morning. Um, yeah. So buddy, can kind of catch up here a little bit. Uh, let's let's tell everybody who David Ford is, uh, and then how your journey kind of started uh, a little bit in South Dakota, and now you're in Alaska. Yeah, so I'm I'm active military. Um, I'm stationed up here now. Uh, I was in, like you said, I was in Alaska, or I was in, excuse me, South Dakota for four years. So that's kind of where the the whole Western thing got started. Um, being from the South, coastal guy, you know, I could take you to hunt gators, and, and we can kill 140 pound whitetails in the swamp. But uh, as far as spot and stock mule deer, and and you know, in west West South Dakota with no trees whatsoever, that was definitely a uh, it seemed like an impossible task. Um, I got hooked up with a really good guy I hunt with and he kind of showed me the ropes and within three days of the first season in 2016, you know, I was within three yards of a bedded buck and with the stick and string. And I, at that point, um, I knew it could be done, especially from a, a, a coastal redneck, you know, I would say, uh, so I knew it could be, I knew it could be done. Uh, I took a couple seasons. 2016 was a strikeout. 2017, I went across the pond, did some stuff over there in the desert. Uh, 2018, I came back and, and we really hit it off hard hunting um, some good ground. And uh, I got I got lucky and shot my first buck. Um, that was the one in Eastman's. Uh, the velvet buck we named Tom. Um, that was a good so, buck. Yeah, dude, he was uh, – it all happened so fast. I mean, the story's in there. Um, we had – we'd stock them a couple of times that, that week. Um, usually I take two weeks off, um, for the season Okay. just to let, you know, especially with the new rule in South Dakota, you know, residents can have that whole first month of September to kind of free reign of the state with stick and string. And that, that right. makes a huge, huge difference, especially with, uh, obviously bucks bastard up and, you know, they haven't really got any smart senses yet. Um, dude, I tell you what, this year you could really feel the difference um, having that, you know, we were out those first several days of the season. Yeah. And last few years, that couple little spots that I hunt, the public spots, have been smashed by non yeah. um, A lot of Minnesota guys in there, um, which is great that they're coming over and hunting. But it was so nice. I I had the place to myself this year. There wasn't yeah. one. It was great. Like and yeah. what that South Dakota did to to prioritize that a little bit. Yeah, the, the first season, like when I went back 2016, I had my dad out. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was, yeah, you know, I, I didn't know, have a clue. But um, that first morning, you know, you're sitting on a 6,000-piece chunk of BLM, mm -hmm. and you're looking around, and there's bedded bucks here, there's bedded bucks there, and there's not a soul around. And it almost to the point where you feel like you're breaking the law. Like it's – am I doing something illegal? Like why is there so much – uh the critters a chase and there's no nobody doing it with me so um <laughs> I, yeah and then 26 2018 i shot that buck um i also had a west river tag i shot a buck with the rifle and then another hills whitetail so that was a really successful blessed year good year yeah yeah it was it was a magical year especially um i think well what was yeah, that, that going from you know where were you where were you go shoot a gator and that just switched yeah that fast all the way into like you have this vast prairie you can glass sit up in glass forever get multiple tags like that what yeah, what it, like with that change 
it's uh like i i come from a, a small farm and we and we have management on the farm um <laughs> kind of almost like a safe haven dad's kind of created and family has over the years so uh just not really feel it's kind of filling the freezer so yeah i mean going from you know that stuff to sitting in a tree stand you know hunting timber bottoms and stuff like that to overlooking you know west side of the badlands or you know south of the black hills and you know the the elk mountains on the west side like uh it's just um it's indescribable i mean you know, when I was showed the kind of the, a few of the places like, Hey, you can hunt all this and hunt all that. And then that was, that was in 2016. And then 2017 did a lot of research because I was gone most of this, all of the season. And then 2018 going in with all the knowledge and just trying to hunt as much as I could. And, uh, it was just insane. Like it was just like a kid at candy yeah, uh, or like at Santa's workshop. And it's like, Hey, you got free reign, you know, do ethical make ethical decisions and, and good things will happen. And, and I was blessed with 2018 was a very successful year. That was the first buck I'd shot since, man, I don't know, 2001. It was a long time. I had, a, it was a long, and that last buck I shot before, before uh, the 2018 buck is mounted. That was my first big buck. Me and my dad had shot together on a youth hunt in South Carolina. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a long stretch there that I kind of got away from, what I was raised as, um, just where I was, where I was stationed at wasn't very, wasn't the type of hunting I was used to, you know, had to hunt in clubs and stuff like that. It just wasn't as free reign as I, I was raised to be. Um, and then going. Away, especially in getting back to bow hunting. Um, yeah, that was, I mean, that buck was my first archery buck. I shot a doe that, that Sunday, I dropped off a friend at the at the airport, and uh, I was like, "Well, I'm gonna go drive the hills." And I'd found a, a lone whitetail out there, and I stalked her, and I was able to to be successful on that. And nice. that just it fueled it. And then I shot my buck on that Friday, um, which was the six. And then uh, my buddy Nick, um, that I always hunt with, he shot his on the seventh. Um, one draw over from where I shot mine, he called me kind of out of breath, and uh, I knew. I knew it was it was about that time in the evening, and he called me. He's like, "Hey, how how fast can you be out to the Cheyenne River?" And I was like, "I can be there now." And uh, we were able to get his buck out, and it's uh, awesome. Yeah, we both picked him up from the taxidermy the exact same day. Um, it was it was, I mean, it was my first archery buck, and he was a dandy at, at that to to be what he was. And yeah, we got the call and picked him up together, and it was a really really special moment. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You uh, went and turned around last year and yeah. like a velvet mule deer. Yeah. So last year I chased that buck and hopefully I should be getting him back this, hopefully this week. I mean, the 16th is when I shot him last year. Okay. Chased, chased him in velvet. I actually have both of his sheds. Um, we found him. I mean, to find matches, as you know, is, is pretty tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've, I've been lucky. I've, on my best day, I've found three matches in a day. Like, that was pretty, pretty, uh, you know, not typical. No. But but his, we were walking back to the truck, walking this two-track back to the truck. And if they were, if it was a snake, we'd have been bit. That's how close they were. I mean, right together. I mean, they were. And then, you know, going through videos and stuff and, and, and hunting kind of the same area and over, over, the few years you kind of have a, some history with deer and stuff and we had, had found him in 2018 and I had those sheds and in 2019 we i hunted 
it was my last day of leave. I had a buddy flying in from Alabama to go chase goats. And, uh, you know, Nick was like, Hey, you know, he, he, I was sitting there, I'd sat on his bed, basically 15 yards from him for, I don't know, two hours, two and a half hours waiting for him to do something. Yeah. And then I looked down my phone, I got a message and Nick's like, I, I got to go back to rapid. I got to re- refinance my house. He's like, you're on your own. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm already, I'm in his bedroom. You know, and I was like, hey, whatever happens, I'll call you, whatever happens. Yeah. And about, I don't know how long it was after that. I'm sitting there on my hands and knees and I had this valley that, you know, he, the sun was starting to hit him. So I knew he was going to get up. As you know, you know, mule deer don't like the sun, especially when they're napping. Yep. So I figured, um, the funny thing was there was two bucks bedded. The bigger one was below him. He was a younger buck. So we were hoping that he would survive the, the, the gun season. He didn't, um, he was bigger, but younger, um, probably a 170 frame buck. I mean, he was really, really pretty. Yeah. Just a, just a stud. Um, and he blew out like right early on in the stock. Okay. I mean, these bucks were 25 yards apart and he blew out and I, I drew back. Um, cause I, I knew that buck was going to go with him. I mean, why wouldn't he not? He never moved out of his bed. So I drew, I drew down and, uh, yeah, that he started, you could see him. He was shaking his head, getting ready to stand up. And I was like, all right, here it goes. Yeah. And, uh, I drew back, came the full draw and I, and I stood up and when I stood up, I think it, it scared him cause he, he, he bounded from his bed and uh, luckily I just switched to a, a, a three pin slider. So I had a 20, 30 and a 40. Yep. So I knew I was like, man, if, if you give me a chance, you know, I have, I have a chance now, but what I think, I think in my opinion, you know, a big buck spooks, he's usually gone. Uh, there's no, let's linger around, you know, especially, you know, five-year-old, six-year-old deer. But what I think happened is he might've thought I was that other buck and he came back to investigate and that's where he slipped up. Uh, cause I was full draw. I was on the right side of the cedar tree I was sitting at and he looped around and he came behind these, just kind of two bushes and he, he needed one step and he was at 15 yards. Um, and he took, he took one step and I, I put it right in his chest and, uh, I think it's a very ethical shot, especially at under 20 yards. I mean, you're trying to oh. hit a, you're trying to hit a, you know, a dinner plate. I mean, if I could put it in that, in that white patch on his chest, uh, especially shooting a 500 grain arrow, uh, yep. he might not die right away, but he's going to die. Um, I think it's a very ethical shot if, if you're in tune with your stuff. And I, I feel like I have done that. Um, but yeah, he, he, he ran went down the draw and he was bounding and I wasn't really happy about it. And then he came out of the draw. We're talking hundred yards and you could tell he was hurting. And I was like, all right, well, that's good. He bedded down immediately. Um, you know, got my stuff together. I watched him kind of crest over the knoll. I was like, well, I got to keep eyes on him. I don't want him to get away. And mm-hmm. I was able to, to get back downwind to get downwind of him, loop back around. And I came over the knoll and I'm sitting there and I'm kind of looking through this yucca plant and I can hear the unmistakable, like you take an arrow and you fling it, like you hear that boom, boom, right? Yep. That's he was pawing at that arrow in his chest, um, and I one it kind of it, I, I knew it was close, and I, it kind of tore me up inside that that buck was, was suffering. So I did everything I could. I got over, drew back, and I mean he was ten yards. Um, I could see that sweet sweet pocket in the triangle, and I I let her rip and uh, complete pass through. He went thirty yards and um, awesome. He, yeah, I I watched him take his last breath and. I didn't go to him right right immediately because I, I messaged and you know, I called Nick. I was like, "Hey, I just watched him. You know, he's he's done." And uh, 
he was he's like well don't don't send me any pictures or anything i was like well i'm not going to go down to him um i'll wait till you get here from rapid and that's about 45 minutes and especially if you're going the speed limit right um uh so not when your buddy's excited about seeing this yeah one. yeah exactly so because he shot his on the second day of the season i watched all that go down through the spotter he shot a really good beautiful buck um that was was over pretty quick um but yeah and then he we were able to pile him up it was a huge body buck i mean he was had a big roman nose so i, I my buddy's calling me the whole time he's at the airport waiting for me to pick him up and it's like noon i'm like hey man uh yeah you're gonna help me cape out a, a mule deer today so we were able to get him we were able to get him all in the truck luckily and we drug him up in the truck and and back to rapid we went um yeah that was that was a fun uh pretty pretty special day i mean he's he's a nothing he doesn't break any record books but he's he's a record book buck by my standards you know he's a big old mature buck and you know at, at that that point in time that you know it was I, I, be, I beat him at his own game more or less you know it was a special special day so and i feel like we have a lot of uh mule deer bucks like that in south dakota that never score you know enough to make record book but age class wise yeah we have that you know i've been lucky enough to shoot a couple you know seven-year-old you know we thought were six seven-year-old deer because we had seen them several years um yeah, and they, you know they score, they hit that 170 mark or yeah. up in the 170s, but they're never breaking 80. Yeah, yeah, it's old deer. I, it's so they're so tough to kill. You know, I I tell people all the time. I was like, if you want to go out and fire on 150 buck, like I can take you to four yeah. or five different spots on public land that we can I can find you a 150 buck mm-hmm. fairly fairly easy. I mean, there's going to be some effort, but at the same yeah. time, like I, I, the quality and quantity is is very. Uh, spread out across the state from all the way you know i've hunted like you know sage creek area which you know where that's probably at you know yep. like out, out in the badlands uh all the way to on the border of you know on the um elk mountains you know i've seen good bucks out there so it doesn't matter you know slim buttes all the way up north all the way down you know there's, there's good bucks everywhere um you just you put in that 10 percent more than the next guy and you're going to find find something very uh that's the biggest thing. You kill a couple of good deer, you get a lot of messages a year from guys asking what you did. Yeah. You've got I'll, that. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And But the answer to that is truly like what you just said. Um, any unit, you know, if you're looking for mule deer, about any yeah. unit in South Dakota, if you're willing to put forth a little bit more effort, um, there's an opportunity there for you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I've hunted all, all over the western side of the state as much as I, I, I could, and I really didn't need to to do a whole lot um, to find a good buck. I mean, obviously the guys who've been there like yourself and who have been in the state a lot longer have those honey holes and and they produce really big bucks. Um, but as far as going to find a quality buck with, with a stick and string, like that's not an issue. Even during rifle season, I mean, my rifle buck with, you know, he grosses just over 160 mm-hmm. um, and he's a beautiful buck. And the way that, that all went down was was a, another crazy tale. Um, but yeah, I mean, from the hills, you know, I've seen them really good stuff. I mean, yeah, you name it. There's there's quality all over the place uh, sure. out there. So, you know, you, you transitioned from East Coast into South Dakota, a little bit more Western style hunting. And now this year you packed her up, you drove all the way up to Alaska. So you're, you're stationed in Alaska right now. Yeah. A couple big adventures already. You've taken advantage of living yeah. in Alaska and uh, you had an awesome caribou adventure here a few weeks ago, and then last week you were hunting moose. Let's get into a little bit of that caribou first, kind of what you did 
uh, to get everything rounded up what you needed. You soloed that, didn't you? Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, I, yeah, like you said, I packed up. I've only officially been in state since uh, July 15th. So. Yeah. Months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then that that all went down last month with the caribou. Um, and I've been hunting moose every every few days. I'm back up at moose camp hiking in. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, drove across. You know, did the whole um, across the country. Well, not across the country. Um, South Dakota. Went to Montana, Idaho, Oregon, Washington. Drove up through British Columbia, the Yukon. Um, yeah, that was. Pretty much, I mean, more or less you're by yourself because Canada's closed for anybody who's not on official travel. So you're you're driving hours, you know, <laughs> and like a dummy, I didn't download any podcasts or... Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm just listening to the wind driving across British Columbia and the <laughs> Yukon. So... Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Zero, zero um, contact with anybody. I mean, you're not getting cell service in those places. Um, no. But it, it was very... Uh, I mean, you start thinking about stuff you did in sixth grade and like, <laughs> why did I do that? Yeah. So yeah, the mind is a pretty special. Anyway, did all that, got into Fairbanks, had to do the whole quarantine thing with, with job and everything. So did that. And then as soon as I got out of quarantine, I went right over to fishing game, like, Hey, what can I have? And um, like, you can do this. So the, the hunt that I, I did is called the R60 RC860 hunt, which is the 40 mile herd. Okay. And it, it's a pretty popular hunt, you know, especially with, um, it being just north of Fairbanks, basically the 40 mile herd stretches from Fairbanks all the way to Canada, right? That's, that's their, their big herd. You know, you're looking at 80,000 caribou in that, that's, that's spanned. And obviously they're transitioning from calving ground to wintering ground and people are trying to catch them in that transition. I mean, that's what everybody's really doing. So I had no idea, you know, I, some guys that showed me on the map, like, Hey, this is the highway everybody, you know, takes, um, you can hike in or, you know, some people take four wheelers. A lot of people take four wheelers, but I didn't want to do that. So yeah, and I don't, I don't have one. So that's kind of eliminates that. Not that I really would want to do that anyway. I think, uh, you know, Remy Warren said it best. I think you need to suffer. Um, exactly. If you're going to take life with something, whether it be uncomfortable sleeping, a long pack in, long pack out, uh, unsuccessfulness, you know, whatever you're, um, definition. Hurting, your, your definition of hurting is right. So that's, that's, that's always a factor. Um, went at the first weekend of the hunt and it was, it was kind of pure chaos. I saw, I saw caribou, but there's, it was a pretty populated area with people. Like, I mean, you're, okay. it was, and I had some chances like early morning on the opening morning, you know, it's, we're all socked in with fog. Um, I come over the ridge and there's probably a herd of 25 within bow range, like coming across, but you know, like caribou, they're not stopping for anything because if they stop their, their target, right? Like wolves, yeah. bears, hunters, like they're always moving. They're always, they're always doing something. Right. So one, it was on a, you know, some top of a ridge. I don't want to take that shot. Um, and then obviously with me being a non-resident, I have to take a bull. So, um, even young calves or young bulls and, and calves or cows look identical. They so they have small horns, Okay. but you're looking to make sure you can identify as a male, obviously based on, um, organs, right? Like, yeah. you know, that's, that's one of those things you have to make sure, unless he's got what I shot, right? Like that's a 99% male. And that was kind of the first thing I did when I rolled him over. I was like, all right, we're cool. He's hundred percent male, um, hundred percent bull. So that weekend went by, that was, uh, four days, three, three and a half days of just learning, right? Just, yeah. um, just all learning. So, yeah, and, I was and then, 
Nevada. I was out in the backcountry. Right. Out of service. Uh, we had talked on Instagram right as I was going out of service and you were going hunting. And I was like, when I got back into service, you're like the first page I checked, dude. <laughs> it was a hammered a big bull. Yeah. So, I mean, like, um, I, when I hiked in the day before the season, I mean, I was probably not even a half mile from the truck. And, and the one of the videos I posted, there's these bulls in the skyline. And that was those bulls. Um, gorgeous bulls. Um, would have been happy with any of those. But wasn't obviously opening day, so we had to move past or I had to go past them. Um, so anyway, a week goes by. Actually, two weeks goes by. I couldn't get back up the next weekend, but two weeks goes by. And then as as the numbers go up, as far as harvest numbers, they will either extend or close different zones. There's four zones. Um, and every zone is a little different. Four or five zones. I'm not really sure. So as the numbers you know get filled, um, they'll close the zone. So you have to obviously move down, down the road. And uh, so I went back up. Some guys gave me some intel, like, "Hey, mile marker, you know, one or whatever it was down the down the highway. Um, there's there's some good herd numbers. You can be good." So I drove down there to the pullout, and there was, excuse me, there was uh, guys with ATVs and trailers and all that jazz. And I was like, "Man, I don't I don't want to do this." So I went back up, literally two miles down the road from where I started uh, two weeks prior. And you know, the the chances of the big herds have already gone through, right? I mean, that's they're migrating so right but i pulled back in there there was a really pretty uh opening up a valley and the sun was hitting it so i pulled over had some lunch through the spot and scope up and up the valley i was there three minutes i saw a lone cow going across i'm like so i got all my stuff in order and hiked hiked in um as a crow flies three miles um okay and if you if you ever if you've worked walked on tundra you know it's not fun (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, you sink six inches every. Step. Yeah, it's like walking on sponges and that's on top of a waterbed, you know. That's right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's, it was super fun going up. Um, get all <laughs> way, get all the way to the top, and uh, I set up camp and start glassing right away. And right across the ridge, I I found uh, this group of like seven or eight caribou, four or five good bulls, and but they were feeding the wrong way. I'm, I'm eating them to feed my way into the valley where they should be migrating, but they weren't, they were going back to where I was two weeks prior. So I'm just like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> anyway, I sat there and I, I had glassed a few that night, different canyons, but it, um, nothing was within striking distance, you know, cause I mean, more or less, you're just, you're not going to outrun them. You're not going to outgame right. them. So if you can right. put yourself in a position to like, Hey, I can funnel them in here or, you know, I, you know, I can make a shot. So, that night, um, yeah, I was sitting at the top of the valley in this in this bowl, and this pretty nasty storm come in. And I've been in some decent storms throughout, I guess, my life, but yeah, not to the point where like, you know, like I'm almost getting ready to send in, re- in reach messages because like me and the big man upstairs had to have a talk, you know, like just let me get through this night because it was it was pretty hairy. Um, I actually got out of the tent and I hiked down the mountain as fast as I could and got under a rock shelf. Uh, just the sheer aspect, I was like, well, if it's going to strike this rock shelf, I'm going to die from the rock crushing me versus, uh, um, the lightning strike. Right. So I, uh, I hiked down and I sat there probably 45 minutes and luckily the rain gear did good. And, uh, cause the way the storm was coming, it had the high pressure coming over the mountains and the storm, it was just kind of sitting right above me and okay. uh, you get, you get that feeling like, you know, your, your skin starts to crawl like, all right, it's time to go. And, uh, 
so me and me and the big man upstairs, uh, we had some chats underneath that rock, and uh, uh, we I we uh, made made amends, and we went back up, and I got back in the tent, and everything was good. Next morning, I got up uh, five thirty or so, super socked in, couldn't see fifty okay. yards. Yeah, um, waited an hour, made some coffee, and then it started opening up, and I could see across the valley, probably fifteen hundred yards straight line, and I. I was just, just looking without any optics. I could see, well, I could see some movement. So I threw the glass up and all I could see was a big mane and a nice bull and he's feeding to where I need him to feed. So I freak out. Um, cause he's by himself. Usually, they, yeah. you know, they said big bulls are by themselves usually. So I, I saw all I needed to see and he's going the way I needed him to go. So there was a kind of a rock outcrop maybe in camp. So I grabbed all my stuff real quick, ran over there. And this is probably three minutes. Um, within three minutes, I had lost him on a giant mountainside. I don't know where I don't know where he went. I free bedded down, and because I didn't have the tripod to really grid everything, but I, I was pretty mad. Um, couldn't find him. Pretty ticked off, and I was like, "All right, well, it's early, you know, whatever. Go back to the. I'm gonna go back to the, grab the tent, grab the tripod, and really grid everything." So as I turn around to go back to to camp i look up on the mountain right behind camp maybe 400 yards um and i could i see this bush like moving like i'm like and i throw the glass up and it's the bull i uh evidently er, went and shot but i'm sitting there and i look at him and all i could see was tops and shovels are shot and, and just like holy cow like this is it, i mean it's well, well within range at this point so i kind of blacked out I don't know, 80, 90 yards from where I first saw him, made the shot about 320. And, uh, yeah, he was sitting there, didn't have a have a clue in the world I was there and by himself. Um, made the adjustments on the scope as I needed. And he, the crazy thing, because I'm shooting at a 6.5 PRC. Yep. So yep. It's, it's kind of a little – some people would argue it's a little under, under gun for Alaska, but I can attest to what it did to this caribou. Um, it went through both shoulders and – I mean, perfect center mass, uh, but he was he was uh, scratching this side, so he was turned away from me, scratching his shoulder. Okay. That round went through both shoulders, and it went out his bottom jaw like crazy. Because when I when I was caping him out, I could hear the yeah yeah he was turned this way, so it went through everything, and it came out his like bottom jaw. I never I never would have thought it would have busted through all that, and it still had enough energy to to do that, but. Yeah, I was keeping him out, and I looked down, and I could see a small little hole in his bottom jaw, and I was like, "Well, that's that's crazy, you know." And like, and it, the round did everything it was supposed to, and he he expired. I mean, seconds. Yeah. And then then all the adrenaline kind of sunk in. I, I sunk in. I didn't really know what I'd had or, or how big he was. I knew he was a bull, and he was he was going home with me. And that's what I knew, and yep. kind of got back to reality. Came down from the cloud for a second. Uh, <laughs> Went to the tent and grabbed everything, you know, tags and all that stuff. And as I'm hiking up to him, uh, I know, like, I'm seeing what I'm, what is in front of me and uh, just a stud bull. You know, he's got scratchers. He's got a big, you know, axe handle for a shovel. He's got big bezes. Tops are great. You know, he's got decent beams. I mean, just everything you could ever, I mean, not many people are going to turn down that bull, I don't think. I know I wasn't. I wouldn't. I would, (laughs) I wouldn't turn down a spike. You know, I wasn't going to be picky i was going to be taking the opportunity i could 
Yeah. Um, and it just was pretty surreal to sit there and just be on that mountain. And I had nobody come by, you know, I was pretty, pretty much by myself until the very end of the hunt as I got back to the truck. But so that was uh seven thirty or so that morning. Um, had them all cut up, ready to rock and roll by two o'clock maybe. Okay. Nice. So yeah, it was, um, took two, two, two trips, two trips to get him down. Um, the first one was pretty rough because I was pretty hopped up on adrenaline still. And I packed up all of camp, which I don't pack too heavy, but I packed up all of camp and three quarters and back straps. And I just used the, uh, Dude, that's uh, used, yeah, I was, I'm not trying to be a macho guy. Like that was dumb. Uh, yeah, that was dumb. Um, but luckily it was all downhill. So I knew if I could get the majority of the load, the first round while, while I was feeling pretty good. Yep. Um, I'd, I'd be fine. So carried them all down, put him in the truck, um, and then back up. And I got the cape, another shoulder tent, because I put everything in the tent. You know, I didn't want him to be sitting in the sun, which it wasn't a whole lot of sun up there anyway. Um, but yeah, everything was in the, in the in the tent. Got back up there, packed the rest of them out. You know, drove the hour and a half to Fairbanks, dropped them off at the tax service, and I called I called the tax service and. When I got back to service, I made uh, the post that like, hey, you know, where's a good reputable dealer or reputable taxidermist? You know, I don't know anybody. So people start chiming in on their on their stuff like this guy is the best. And it's the same with tattoo artists or any or, you know, mechanics. So everybody's got their personal preference. Well, one guy kept popping up. So I called him. It's Sunday evening. Um, you know, I'm telling my backstory. He's like, well, yeah, bring him by. Let's see what you got. He's like, I'm pretty, pretty full, but we'll take a look. And I'm like, I can respect that. Um, so I brought him by, opened up the truck, and the first thing he said, he goes, "Yeah, I'll mount, I'll mount him for you." So <laughs> doesn't get that made, those ones in there. <laughs> yeah, so he he made me feel pretty confident that I had something pretty special. That's so cool. Um, which it was special to me, like I said. I mean, yeah, yeah, he was he was big, but at the same time, it was everything I could have hoped for and more. So, yep, dropped him off, and yeah, that was that was it for that. And then I mean, I didn't get back to base that night till midnight after dropping meat off to let it hang and stuff like that so that was a that was a full 12 14 hour day but it was it didn't feel like 12 or 14 hours to put it that way so yeah that's so it, happened, it happened quick um and then uh the last two weekends i've been doing the moose camp down um down south of where i'm at um just beautiful country it's all non-motorized areas so you get to hike oh. in or or pack pack horses you know so We've seen, I've saw two cows, a um, bunch of bear sign, bunch of bunch of wolf sign, or some wolf sign, but plenty of other, you know, cows. And, and I know bulls are in the area. It's just a matter of time. It's kind of warm right now. So it's kind of, sure. they're not really moving. You know, a 1200 pound creature doesn't really want to move around in 60 degree weather and chase girls, you know, like I don't, I don't blame them there. So, yeah. but yeah, it's a matter of time. We got uh, the 25th is when it over. So is over. So we got, 12 12 more days left um okay to try to try to get it done but with me being a non-resident it's got to be four brow tines or 50 inches right obviously i don't i'm not a I, it's gonna be it's gonna have to be four brow tines unless he's just a crazy monster and he looks 50 inches you know but just to just to see one would be awesome like oh yeah um, and when we were packing in friday um there was a pack train came out and they had a, a good three-point bull on their on their horses that was cool to see 
so it gives you a little bit of hope even though they were probably double what we were in obviously with horses i would be too um of course. but yeah it's but you know you you don't want to get 10 miles in there and on the last day tag out and then you got 600 pounds of deboned meat to get out of there you know 10 that, miles single trip i mean that's that's a lot you know people you know you stop and think about and that's what i had to deal a lot with that when i was in nevada was i i went back in a couple of these areas you know after i was actually already you know backpacked in with my camp and then from there you're hunting for camp and then you get back to some of these areas and you're like start calculating the mileage and you're like dude it'll, it's it's six miles to my camp and then another six miles to my truck you're like why yeah. here right now because yeah, it's, it's just and you it's one thing when you have a buddy with you yeah by yourself like you do the calculations you're like this is 90 miles of just packing out meat yeah. <laughs> like, and especially like you're in high country nevada that's a lot you know you're you're taking a risk there with meat spoilage right you know you don't you need to get it cooled yep. off as quick as possible but you also want to be ethical you know, yeah exactly so i mean that's that's a tough situation that's a, that's a big I actually, to swallow yeah i actually moved back into some different areas where it was more you know like a dual like it wasn't that you like you said it's not that you're not physically capable of going hunting back here but it's just the, the limitations on 90 95 degrees yeah getting it out on your own um and so yeah i hunted like i actually moved in closer and everybody was pushing further back and it was the first I missed the first like five, six days of the season and everybody just apparently all the guys I ran into were all like, Oh, they're all, all the bulls are, we're going home. We hunted the first six, seven days of the season. Like all the bulls are pushing further back into the wilderness. And I had already come closer back by like the border of the wilderness and the national forest. Yeah. And, uh, guys would run into me on their way back out and they're like, Oh, all the bulls are way further back in there. And I was hunting the same like twelve bulls in this canyon that was right on the edge. Everybody was walking past them. They just they weren't there. Yeah. Asked them. I'm like, oh yeah, yep. Yeah, I haven't seen much here. I must have to go further. You know? like, and that's yeah, right there in the same canyon every single morning. Yeah, it's, and a lot of people think you know like this whole you know the crazy is how far we can get from the trailhead, right? And and the grander scheme of things, if you do your your you're a scouting right you don't really have to do as much as you think you do because a lot of people overlook that a lot of people think like oh i gotta be 20 miles in there but the reality of it is i mean there's especially in like a good limited limited draw you know tag like you were in like there's gonna be uh there's gonna be good bulls somewhere you know yeah exactly yeah i was only a mile at that one point a group that i was hunting i was literally a mile mile and a half yeah probably mile and a half off this trail uh, where I could glass them and then, you know, to get to them was another mile. Right. But it was like some rough, rough stuff that nobody was even walking into there. But it wasn't that far. It was just rough. And so they were, they were in there, they were being lazy, hanging low. They weren't yeah. even, high. they were at like 8,500 feet, you know, 9,000 feet when, you know, the peak above them, if they wanted to, they could have went up to like 10, three, 10, five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a lot of rock, you know, but, um, yeah, it just goes to show you, like, don't overlook some of those areas that, you know, like you said, you can park right off the road, do some glass, and yeah. hike in, sit, but. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I think it's a big thing with me, like, um, being able to glass a lot of country and save those legs, you know, let your eyes do the walking, you know, and by no means, I've only been doing this whole Western thing for four years, so 
I've just been very fortunate um, these these last four years to put some stuff in the on the wall and more importantly fill the freezer, right? So that's what we what we do it. So I mean, yeah. And I've only been following your page for like a little over a year, I think. Yeah. Finally found it and ran into it. I just love your style, and it's just been. I mean, it's cool now that you know you know more like the backstory of where you came from too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, that it's was see how serious I would call you a serious hunter. Yeah, like you go food uh, on your own. Um, I can't wait till we have a chance to hunt together someday, man. Yeah, and it, I think it's important. Like I know you hunt. Uh, you have a, a good hunting buddy. You always hunt with, right? Um, yeah. My brother. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you just can't hunt with anybody. Um, I think that's a you know like. I was fortunate to get hooked up with a guy that I worked with, you know, back in, in South Dakota. And, and I learned a lot. Oh, I would say 95%, hundred percent of the Western stuff through him. Um, and you know, um, watching him do stuff and it led to me being successful. Um, so I, owe, I would say all of it or, or, you know, dang near all of it to him as far as how to do this whole Western thing and to be successful, um, and to what to look for and, you know, he comes from a big whitetail state of Ohio, and, and he, he'll be the first to tell you he's he doesn't – he won't even pick up a whitetail shed. It's so funny. You know, it's, yep. he's, all mule, he's all mule deer now, which I don't blame him. He's got some studs on the wall. and Yeah. Um, I'm looking – I'm waiting to see that message that he's got a, he's got a big buck down this year. Uh, it's going to take a big one for him to really entice him this year. Um, he's yep. got a good – he's got a good West River tag too, so I'm, I'm really excited to see what turns up down there. Um, but, yeah, so – uh yeah he's usually the first guy i message or you know um when it comes to successful you know especially on the in reach stuff like that along with my dad um but yeah it's just it's a special thing the the whole western western scene especially to come you know like be that kid that was always looking at cabela's magazines like i don't know i could ever do that or how it's ever going to work logistically but um the good lord uh somehow made it work and here I, you know, here I am doing this, this whole thing. And, um, you know, you're, you're doing hunts that people dream about and save up their entire life for. So to take advantage of it, you know, to get off the mountain a couple of days early is, is not doing yourself any justice. Um, you know, the job will be there, the, the social media will be there. Um, but these times that, you know, you live in that tent on the, in those frosty grounds and you're chasing bugling bulls or running bucks, you know, like it, it's, it won't always be there. So it's yep. important. And at the time you're thinking you're miserable, yeah. You get off the mountain, you're gonna wish you were back up there being miserable. Yeah, yeah, every, exactly. Man, every so yeah, soak it up, take it. I think that's a pretty good piece of advice for <laughs> for everyone. Yeah, I mean, like I was listening, I listened to a lot of the Kafaru cast guys, and okay. So I just I, I don't know I like how they are, and I mean, there's a lot of good podcasts out there, but they say the same thing. As soon as you get off that mountain, you're wishing you were back on it, regardless of. You know, it was a two mile hike to get water. If it was, uh, you know, you're, you're puffed out because of hydration or dehydrated food for five days, but you know, it's just, you know, uh, it all makes it worth it when you, when you get home and you're scrolling through everybody's stories, you're like, man, I wish, I wish I was a part of it. Or, you know, I wish I was back on the mountain or something like that. that that's definitely a, that's a special thing. That's for sure. It is man. And it, it's just, even when, what I learned here this year, just my first solo hunt, elk hunting, you know, usually the last seven, eight years, I've had a cameraman with me, which is my brother, but it's always somebody there to help you with anything. Yeah. Better be yeah. a pet, whatever. And uh, that solo challenge um, was definitely a great learning experience for me. You know, uh, you, you, you know, we, term like, you know, 
check your own toughness. It, it, that's yeah. part of it, but I, not, it's not even from a physical standpoint. It's definitely just from a mental standpoint when you're out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah your- the, menta- the mentality and the emotional aspect of it, you know, you yes. like I, you question a lot and then you have that, that other individual that you trust wholeheartedly with everything, right? In that moment, you're going to have to. Um, you know, things will get done when you don't you don't ask the other person, like, hey, we need to cut wood or we need to go get water. Or, did you glass this basin or did you glass that basin or, you know? Well, even like one of my buddies told me, like, I had to go up on this nasty mountain road to get where I wanted to hike in. And there was another two vehicles up there that had camp up there. Um, they didn't like back back in off the road. They just camped off of it. And they were just like short axle lifted Jeeps. And I had my yeah. 2019 Ram and I, and I was a couple of these areas. I was like, you know, you're puckered, dude. It was sketch. And you mess yeah. up. It's one of those things like you do mess up or don't pay attention for three seconds. You're rolling off 500 feet, you know, yeah. 60 feet. And so, like, I got up there, and my buddy mentioned, like, yeah, having somebody with you, that is that gas or break to tell you, like, hey, dude, like, I don't think we should take this trail. Yeah. You don't have that when you're by yourself. You're just like, okay, I'll do it. And then you don't realize what you got yourself into, potentially. And so then I was stressed for, like, two days because there's a couple switchbacks that are like, yeah. can I make it back down on that? Like, is the switch, can I make that switch back? Like, and you don't have anybody there to help you, like, oh, you have 18 inches to back up. You don't have Yeah, like, yeah exactly. My uh, challenge you. My uh, my first year in the what like in South Dakota, we went up to Montana uh, to hunt, and it was kind of my first backcountry backpack. You know, even though it was kind of eastern Montana, like central Montana, but it was still Montana, right? There a bunch of breaks yeah. and just that that kind of nasty stuff. You know, like I didn't really know what I was getting into. I had a decent pack and some some flashy camo, and I didn't really know what the heck I was doing. And yep. Yeah, we, uh, we, you know, I, I didn't have a tag or anything. I just, I just hiked around with Nick, um, and watched him chase, chase muleys and stuff while we, we camped in the, on the Missouri. Uh, it was awesome, but I learned a lot. And, you know, when I first got out there, I thought you had to have everything in the kitchen sink, you know, med kits and freaking survival kits and all this other stuff. And now like, I'm not packing any of that. Like if I don't use it, like it's not going, um, I, I learned about a lot of his stories early on. You know, he hunted up here for seven years and hunted doll sheep in the Brooks Range and stuff like that. And he, I wow. remember him telling telling me early on that when they were packing out, they were pouring out dry packets of oatmeal to save weight. And I thought that was, that was, it blew my mind. Like that didn't even make sense. And then like hiking around this tundra for miles and with a, with a 40, 50 pound pack, you know, versus, you know, it's like, I understand now, like I'm pouring out all the water I don't need. Yep. I, I'm eating all the food I can because I don't want to carry one extra yeah. ounce of it. Yeah. So ounce ounces equal pounds and pounds equal pain. Right. Um, 100%. If it doesn't, if it doesn't work, I ain't bringing it. So, <laughs> yep, dude. And it's funny, the more you start doing that stuff, like the more you realize how much you don't need. Yeah. And I, I'm still, I'm still bad with it. I'll bring extra stuff. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm learning every time. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, on this elk hunt I was on this year, I even like, I thought I was being minimal and I got out, you know, and then like, I tried to be just mindful when you get back and like, okay, what didn't I use? Yeah. You know, and start like narrowing down and actually learn from those hunts to be like, okay, I really didn't need that, you know, piece or whatever it was. And, or maybe some stuff that you, you did, you do need. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that, that's been a big, a big thing, you know, like 
I sleep really cold. I'm not, I, I don't, I'm just a really cold natured. I think nope. being a, a coastal creature, right. Um, hands and feet, right. That's a big thing, but I've been doing a lot more research and like the gear you have in your pack is designed, you know, like everything you have, it doesn't produce heat, right. You are the engine that produces all this heat. So it doesn't matter if you have a $600 bag or $500 boots and all this other stuff. If you don't take care of that properly, you're going to die. Like you will die. It doesn't matter how, if you have $10,000 worth of gear in your pack or on your body, if you don't do those things properly, you're going to die. You will freeze to death and you'll be eaten like a, a human lollipop to a bear. Like that's just, uh, you'll freeze to death and die. But I'm, I've been learning a lot, um, doing this whole Alaska thing. It's, uh, don't pay no attention to her. She doesn't mean anything. <laughs> She's like, uh, you're gonna die. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Heather, Heather's good stuff. She's funny. Um, she can't bake worth. I hope she's listening. She can't bake worth nothing either. Uh, -oh. uh yeah. So, yeah. She, we used to work together. She's down in Louisiana now. She's good people, but, um, yeah, it's the, it's, it's definitely, uh, what's up foster. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's ever, ever changing. Like you're, I'm pulling stuff out of my bag and you know, it's just, it's awesome. Like, I don't need this much paracord. You know, I, I'm yeah. cutting stuff off and it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. That's, that's for sure. You, you find what works for you, regardless of what the brand is, um, exactly. regardless, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If it's from Costco or from Kuyu, Kafaru, First Light, it doesn't matter any of the, if you don't use it properly, um, it's just taking up space. Um, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I remember when I bought my Kuyu pack and everybody made fun of me because I was wearing a Kuyu pack with like my sit, some of my Sitka gear. And I'm like, Sitka makes shit for packs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. It, they do. I mean, I think they're getting better with it, but they're not known. Yes. Back, you know, four years ago when yeah. I bought it, th their packs weren't good. Like, yeah, they're trying to, you know, get up to the game. But for me, uh, you know, that was what I, I really enjoyed at the time. That was the pack that I, I, I really liked. So I, and you go with what fits you, what works well for you. Yeah. And, I, you know, I run an XO now and I, I do love that pack. I've had packed everything from turkeys, you know, Western to South Dakota to caribou in the tundra. Right. And it's, it's worked great. I have no issues with that um, pack right now. So, you know, but at, at the same time, the gearhead, uh, the gear junkie is always thinking about changing something or like, well, what, how can this work? Or that looks cool, you know, but at the same time, it's like, if it's not, if it's not broke, why fix it? Right. That's that's how I go back to. There's a couple things that you just want to try, just because it's fun to try new stuff. Yeah. Uh, but then you're like, well, I don't want to spend another five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, good gear is not cheap, right? But right. at the same time, good gear will keep you on the mountain or in the prairie longer. So that 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 extra day, you could be successful or non successful. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, dude. The initial ascent packs are awesome. I've talked to the I've talked to those guys on the Western Hunting Expo. They're good dudes yeah their their packs are legit I, I put one on um and actually for the solo hunter aspect a little bit they're i really i've been really debating on getting one because they have these killer hook like carbon hooks on the side yeah hook on like more meat and stuff they're yeah they're pretty impressive i've, I've seen a couple of the guys i follow they but i haven't had any chance like uh hands-on like i bought I've, you know the kuyu pack was the first one i bought i bought the icon pro when i first got out Yep. to south dakota never really used it to pack anything out besides you know like initial hunts in like the first two years and i bought the xo and i've been running that ever since Every, you know everybody's got their own poison or own their own yeah. brand like i said whatever whatever works for you go forth and, and conquer right exactly so, exactly 
I agree. We're all out there trying to do the same thing. It really doesn't matter past that. Yeah, so, like, it's so funny. Like, the guy, you know, Nick, I hunt with um, opening season last year. We're sitting there at the truck getting ready to pack in, and I look down at his quiver, and he's got he's got three arrows, um, and uh, that's all he's got. Like, and I'm pretty sure one of them was from the year before he shot his buck with, and I'm, like, laughing. <laughs> I'm, like, is that all the arrows you have? He goes, and but he's one of those guys and go out there, not shoot for six months, and go through the paces, and he and he lights out, right? He's, he's just a natural he's athlete. I mean, he's a, he's a he's killer. Yep. It's just funny. We're sitting there. I'm looking down at his arrows, and I only carry five. It's not like a big deal, but it's just like, when was the last time you shot those arrows? Like ah, a month ago. Like they're they're good. Yep. Well, it's yeah, and then he shoots. Yeah, it, it was now two days later. You know, he double lunged that buck at 40 yards, and I'm pretty sure that I mean that was a complete pass through. Cleaned it up, put it back in the quiver. It'd probably be good enough for this year. So. That's yeah. just how he is. You know, he's... That's how my buddy Matt is, my co-host, and this, which is why he's yeah. like just a killer. He's an athlete. He stepped yeah. up August 31st. I mean, he's busy farming all summer. Yeah. On 31st, shoots his bow 80 yards, his first three shots. He pie plates him. He, like, sends me the video, and he's like, yep. all right, we're still good to go. Like, yeah. That's, that's how he is. And then I go down the wormhole because he's been shooting a lot longer, and he's got a lot more stuff on the ground than I have. So I'm – you know, I'm doing all this crazy tuning, what I think is crazy tuning, and watching all yeah. the Levi Morgan and the John Dudley videos, and you're just trying to make the, the most of it, right? I'm trying to get as as perfect as I can, and I think, it, you know, the animals deserve that, but, you know, like, he'll go out and, yeah, we're good, and just thump anything that walks, and it's like, God, man, and he's just talented. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's very he's good at what he does, and, and I think uh, it's important to surround yourself with people like that, right? So right. I think it, it makes you better. Um, I've said it a hundred times. If I went to start hunting with Matt six years ago, like he's made me such a better hunter. My buddy Justin down in New Mexico, getting all the hunting with him, like those guys. Like I learned all the great ethics and um, you know learning portions of hunting from my dad. You know, being yeah. out with him and learning what a young hunter should learn. Um, and then, you know, you start continuing to put yourself around more people and then, you know, building your circle a little bit. And yep. those couple of those guys have just expanded my knowledge so much, made me a better hunter. It's just, it's cool. You know, it's really, yeah, cool. ex exactly. I mean, those base, that base layer, you know, the first thing you build of the house is a foundation, right? You don't put yep. the, you don't put all the fancy fixings in it until it has a solid foundation. I think that starts early on and, you know, my first deer I ever shot was with a single barrel 16 gauge. And uh, we, big in the, in the south, we hunt deer with dogs. You know, as we run, yep. that's just, that's growing up, that's how we hunted. You know, it's because the woods are so thick and this, it's just how it is, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was, it started it off. And it's, you know, that was important to see how all that went down. And I remember early on, I shot this little bird with a BB gun. It was like a little finch. And I couldn't believe I'd shot it. And I'm sitting there, and Dad watched it all go down through the kitchen window. And he knocks on the window, and he tells me to go get it and brings it in the house. And he, we pluck it right there, and he fries it up with some batter, and I ate it right then and there. And he's like, if, you, if, if you're if you're going to take it, you're going to eat it. So, yeah. That's awesome. Um, that was early on, and I was like, I'm not eating this freaking thing. Um, but, no, it was it stuck with me for a long time then, and, and it's been – hopefully the people I hunt with and they have, you know, for the most part, we do the same thing. So exactly. Devin it's, goes, uh, some people are shooters. Some people are killers. That's like the truth. Some people are like, same thing with any sport. Some people are just shooters in practice. Some guys are. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like you can, yeah. It doesn't matter if you shoot, like that's how he is, you know, like I, 
it's just funny. You know, go out there. He's like, oh, yeah, he double lunged him at 40 yards, tipped over in six. All my archery shots have been, you know, not your typical, you know, shoulder forward, feeding, like, no, have, no mine's been alerted, top of the ridge, put it in his chest, you know, like, how is, like, how is this? Yeah, both of my archery bucks have been like that. So even my doe was like that. She was alerted, but all within under 20 yards. You know, it's just like, yeah. Yep. Got to make that make that time count whenever it happens. So, it's uh seconds or less. Yeah, I mean, you as you know, it doesn't. It uh, it happens in a flash, and you better be ready to rock and roll. If not, you might not get that chance the whole season again. Exactly. Well, David, thanks for taking the time out of your yeah, game. Bubba. A couple months, so I'm glad we could finally make it happen. Um, yeah, I appreciate the time. Any closing statements for people before we before we drop off? Nah, I mean, I don't. I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself a Western guy, but if, if you know, my big thing is persistent pays. You know, persistence is uh is, is key. If you want it, go get it. Agreed. It took me till I was I don't know 28, 27, till I shot my first buck with the bow, and yeah. Yeah, and it's it's all been downhill from there, and it's been a it's been a learning curve for sure. You know, every day, every failures, it should be a, something that you, you learn from. That's for sure. Agreed, David. Thanks for jumping on, you guys. If you want to follow David's adventures, I suggest it. Mustache Memphis <laughs> is the handle. <laughs> yeah, you will enjoy his page. It's it's really cool. He posts a lot of good stories, a lot of good phone photography, which we've talked about in our podcast. Yeah, good That's stuff. All- all through the phone. Well, Jordan, I appreciate it, man. You have a blessed day. Yes, sir. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thanks, man. Later. There you have it, you guys. Had David on today. Um, make sure you go check out his page. Thanks for tuning in to episode 140 of the Live Beyond Average podcast. I hope you love this one and have a great rest of your hunting season. We will – yeah, his uh, – Devin just commented, best handle ever, by the way. I completely agree. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. So you guys have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you later.